pom 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 kokika 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 it's american so what who cares story it's almost halloween do you like that is that okay can you listen to that back <laughs> hi sage hi spooky kaylee hi buddy uh it's almost halloween mm-hmm. so i wanted to intro this with a little spooky halloween american horror story well first of all today's stories aren't really going to be your stories oh that's we actually right. did some research guys we did homework yeah we looked up the scariest creepiest weirdest things in the world items possessed yeah that haunted c- cursed and possessed yeah a little uh, little freaking tossed salad whatever you call just it give you the heebie-jeebies and the skeebs the skeebs but first we need your ghost stories and your halloween stories yes. for our next episode i'm not gonna lie no one's really sending these in we're still getting bad dates you know yep. we still want your bad dates keep sending them in but right now we really want the halloween ones we have a few but we want more or else we're just gonna do more of this shit yep get yourself into the spooky spirit and start sending your stories because i know i'm thinking of so many friends right now that have ghost stories have you ever egged anyone's house yes kaylee i forked wanna... anyone's yard what's a fork you've never forked anyone's yard no I'll save that for next week. Okay. Anyways, fucked up facts. Let's go. Here we go. Do you want me to start the week with the fucked up fact? Yes. So actually, my fucked up fact is personal. I don't think my uh, our podcast listeners even know this about me. <laughs> but this past March, I impulsively decided a week before town election day. Mind you, I'm 25. I'm a 25-year-old girl. I decided one week to spread a rumor that people could write me in for water commissioner <laughs> for for town office okay water commissioner it was kind of a joke in my eyes at first and then I was like well you know I went to school for this shit I kind of did some kind of stuff like that whatever <sighs> you guys I am your 214th water commissioner of the town of Deerfield <laughs> I got voted in and I blew the competition. He had signs. I didn't have signs. I used social media and I won. And I kicked his fucking ass, this old white man. And I'm so proud of myself. Anyways, I'm a water commissioner. I'm a town elected official at 25 years old. And that's my fucked up fact. And what have you done since you've been? Absolutely nothing. Stop it. Why would you put me on the spot like that? I'm so embarrassed because of COVID. We'll blame COVID. 2020 fucked it. COVID came and fucked it up. Some people go, have you done anything yet? And I go, no. (laughs) I always say, "Uh, no meetings because of COVID. But like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, I did. The meetings are back in session. She's just just not attending. Nobody's called me. Yeah, you know what? Hey. You know what my dad says? We're supposed to call them. Well, they elected me. So if they need me, they can call. I don't know. I, what Did I got you go and into. vote? I voted for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylee, what's your fucked up fact? <laughs> My fucked up fact is men who are hanged get a death erection <gasps> known as rigor erectus. I had this one written down. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Rigor erectus. Rigor erectus. I'm going to start calling the P-pop the rigor erectus. Rigor. All right, let's move on to some more disturbing things, like picking your poison. Pick your fucking poison. Yeah, hey, pick your fucking poison. Wait, that one? Hey. 
Oh my god, mine's perfect. Oh my god, mine is spooky Halloween. <laughs> dippy dippy dip dip I'm just dip. Do the one I first picked up. Okay, I ready? Do a bunch. Yep. I want you to go first. Would you rather start a one-year sentence in solitary confinement tomorrow, or eat a human heart? What would eat you- a human heart e- easily. I couldn't do solitary confinement. Easily. We might lose listeners for this, but I'll uh, tell you right now that one of my favorite foods since I, I was a kid say. was, uh, and was also my grandmother's favorite food too, is deer heart. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm. the best part of the deer. I don't think I've ever had it, but so I know I, you love it. I know how to cook this. I'll cook it to you. I'll, if I you Cook me up a nice hat, a nice human hat. hat. My dad always saves it for me. <laughs> Everybody saves a deer heart because so they know I'm a freaking savage and that's what I like to eat. <laughs> Do you know how many deer hearts I had in my college freezer? I cannot imagine. It's literally like a little, a little nibbly, it's like a little goodie. So I'd cook it up the way I do. You'd marinate it with a little maple syrup. My dad, mm, my barbecue. dad's recipe. Oh, it's delicious. Anyways, peppers and onions. All right. Are we ready to move on to our story? We're ready. Our, I'm sorry. Our research. Oh yeah, we can't call them stories. So we, obviously this week we did some homework and research, and so these basically aren't your Wikipedia stories. was my best friend this week. All right. So our first little haunted piece for you we have the queen mary do you know what the queen mary is i i i it's a ship it is a ship it is a ship the queen mary was voted one of the top 10 most haunted places in america by time magazine among the ghosts believed to still be hanging around is an engineer who died in the ship's engine room a lady in white, Ooh. and various children located throughout the ship, including the first class pool. Haunted encounters are offered only during the day. So you guys can go on a haunted tour of this Ooh, place, okay? I would love that. But when the sun goes down, the spirits aboard the Queen Mary come out to play. So they have like twilight tours and seances, and you Ooh. can explore a lots of other things. There's like dining with paranormal. You can go check it out. Okay. I'm booking my trip next year if it's open for COVID. If it's open for COVID, like I'm going there to get COVID. I know, right? COVID's on the menu tonight. Oh, this is the one I've been waiting for, Sage. <laughs> okay. Because I had never heard of this. Okay. It's I'm the sitting one. back and I'm listening. I'm going to pull my mic right into my fucking face and then relax. I think this is my favorite one. So we're going to kick off the beginning of my stories tonight with my favorite one let's go kaylee i haven't done homework like this since i was in college okay i think i brought this up a couple episodes ago but here we go robert the doll i got a lot of my information from the robert the doll official website okay and TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Science tells us dolls are inanimate objects, but those who care for Robert the doll and thousands who visit him each year know better. Mm. Lights flicker, cameras malfunction, letters of apology arrive on a daily basis. The bizarre circumstances surrounding Robert have earned him a reputation as the most haunted doll in the world. Robert. Robert the Doll is supposedly a haunted doll handcrafted in the early 1900s by the Steiff Company of Germany. He is a 40-inch tall doll stuffed with wood wool called Excelsior. Oh. I had to get into detail. I'm sorry. He is dressed in a sailor suit and was allegedly designed to match his owner, a boy named Robert Eugene Otto. The boy was known as Gene, but the doll took on his name, Robert 
Okay. So he named the doll after himself. Gene and Robert were best friends growing up, but legend has it that voodoo and strong emotional energy had a part in Robert's formative years. Gene would place the blame on Robert when he misbehaved as a child. He would point to the doll and say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. The first hint that something was out of the ordinary with Robert was when Gene was 10 years old. He awoke to find Robert sitting at the end of his bed, just staring at him. Moments later, his mother was awakened by screams for help, begging for his mother to rescue him. When she was finally able to pry the locked door open, she saw Gene curled up in fear on his bed, his room in shambles, and Robert the doll sitting at the foot of his bed. Ah. the weird and unexplainable happenings didn't stop at that one occurrence gene's parents would often hear their son talking upstairs to the doll and getting responses back in a totally different voice like the doll could talk yeah they reported seeing the doll speak and witnessing his expression change Mm -mm, no mm -mm, giggling and sightings of robert running up the steps or staring out the upstairs windows were also reported I'm like getting chills. I know. It's fucking creepy. Robert continued to live with Gene and his wife, Anne, throughout his lifetime after Gene's parents died. Gene decided that the doll needed a room of his own and placed him in the upstairs room that had a window overlooking the street. So this guy, this kid, kept this doll his Mm -hmm. whole life. His whole entire life. Okay. Made to look just like him. I, I, I'm, 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 it's yeah. creepy. No, and I have that visual in my, well, I can see the doll right now. Yeah, it's fucked up. Anne felt uneasy with Robert in the house, and although she couldn't put her finger on it, she wanted Jean to lock the doll up in the attic where he could do no harm. Jean did just that. Robert the doll was not happy with his new digs. Soon, visitors to the home heard footsteps in the attic, the sounds of someone pacing back and forth, and devilish giggling. Neighborhood children reported seeing Robert watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom and told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. Like, eee, so scary. It's so creepy. So scary. Unless Gene is just, like, really fucking with people. (laughs) Bye. And just really good at it. I know. When Gene heard this, he immediately went to investigate, knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic and there was no way he could be sitting by the window of the upstairs bedroom. But to his complete shock, when he opened the door to the bedroom, there was Robert sitting in the rocking chair by the window. Jean locked Robert back up in the attic several times, each time discovering him again sitting by the window in the same upstairs bedroom. Stop. Fucking so scary. Jean went on to be a well-known artist and designed the gallery at the Four East Martello Museum in Key West and had plans to create his own museum. Though his dream never came true after he died in 1974, his house became known as the Artist House. Stories of Robert the Doll, who was housed in the Artist House, became an everyday occurrence. Tenants would hear footsteps in the attic, a plumber, her giggling and turned to find the doll, had moved across the room on his own. And reporter Malcolm Ross said, It was like a metal bar running down my back. At first, when we walked through the door, the look on his face was like a little boy being punished. It was as if he was asking himself, Who are these people in my room and what are they going to do to me? When Ross's friends told him about Robert's story, Ross noticed a change in the doll's expression, saying there was some kind of intelligence there. The doll was listening to us. Oh, uh, what? 
That's how I feel about Archie when he gives me the side eye. I mean, he's really fucking listening to me right now. And I'm not, it's creeping me out. Oh, I know. How about the creepy video I sent you last night of him just sitting over um, there on I the know. Couch? Um, I did not like that. That was really weird. And then when he turned his eyes, it's like, what yeah! He, like, what was he looking at? I don't know, but I could not see him unless my flash was on on my camera. So I was like, I'll take a Snapchat. And I turned it on. It was, it was fucking creepy. Go ahead. Eventually, a new family moved into the house. And their 10-year-old daughter was delighted to find Robert the doll in the attic. But her delight ended soon when she claimed that Robert was alive and that the doll wanted to hurt her. She, Archie, I'm not going to tell you again. She awoke often in the middle of the night, screaming in fear, and told her parents that Robert had moved around the room. Eventually, Robert the doll was given away and now lives in the East Martello Museum, where visitors from all over the world come to see him. Museum staff noticed a shift in the energy when Robert came to live there. Though Robert was not on display, he started receiving more visitors when word spread about him being at the museum. Once they put him on exhibit, cameras and electronic devices malfunctioned in his presence. And soon, letters began arriving addressed to the doll, offering apologies for disrespectful behavior or asking for forgiveness. He now sits in a glass case, but it doesn't stop him from inflicting fear and discomfort to the museum staff and visitors. Staff members also report that Robert's facial expressions change. They hear demonic giggling and claim to have seen Robert put his hand up to the glass. No, fuck no. (laughs) Fuck no. You can visit Robert at the East Martello Museum. But be careful when you take photos. Most people are unsuccessful, and others describe unexplained events happening after taking pictures of him. It is recommended that you always ask permission before taking a picture of Robert. You may regret it if you don't. So I looked up stories of um, asking permission, because I think that's like really crazy. And I found a TripAdvisor review. Okay. We love a good review. Yep. Last week, oh, and the best part is, this is why we had to have it in here. These people are coming from New Hampshire. Stop. I know. So the title of this review is, We Should Have Asked Robert's Permission. Last week, we were in Key West, soaking up the history and wonderful sunshine. We are from New Hampshire and are not strangers to ghostly tales. No, no, no. Little did we realize that Robert the doll was more than just a tail. We went to the museum and was told by a very nice lady at the front desk to be sure we ask Robert's permission if we wanted to take a picture. I just laughed at such a silly statement. We went into the room where Robert was gazing at us. I snapped his picture. Not once, but three times. Ooh, bad number. Bad omen. Ooh, bad bad omen. We then proceeded into the gallery where it was air-conditioned and where there was some beautiful artwork on the walls. I found one painting that caught my eye and decided to take a picture of it. That's when it all started. As I snapped the picture, I looked at my camera and it said, no images. All the 50 plus pictures that we had taken in Key West were suddenly gone. We went parasailing the next day. The boat captain took a video of us in the air. We got back home and the disc was blank. Went to the camera store and they could find no reason why our pictures were gone and why the disc was blank. I have also been hearing some strange noises during the night since I've been home. To all who may read this, please listen to the nice lady at the front desk at the museum. Ask Robert's permission if you want to take his picture. Spooky. And that is Robert the doll. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't even want to go near him. He's scary looking. I don't even want to be in the same room as that doll. No nope. fucking way. I'm no. never going to that museum. Mm-mm. Not even the same build. Nope. Not even. I'm never going to Key West. Mm-mm. All right, the next artifact we have, the Hope 
diamond. I saw it in fifth grade. Did you? My parents, we went down and uh, we went to Washington, D.C. to my uncle at the Arlington Cemetery. And uh, yeah, I saw the Hope Diamond. All right, here we go then. I had shit brown Heelys too at the time. I bet you did. I did. Specifically for the Washington, D.C. road trip. They got the new Heelys that look like Yeezys now. Have you seen those? Um, remember when I almost bought a pair over quarantine? I'm we both did. Remember we were, we were obsessing over like the TikTok Healy videos? I just remember when I saw the Hope Diamond, I was really underwhelmed. Could be because I was in fifth grade, but I was like, yeah, I guess it's kind of ugly. Kinda... Like it's kind of tacky. The Hope Diamond is one of the most famous jewels in all the world. With ownership records dating back almost four centuries, it is a very rare blue color, Weighing in at 45.52 carats. Woohoo! It is said that this diamond is cursed. The ring apparently brings misfortune and tragedy to people who own it or wear it, but some stories may have been fabricated to enhance the stone's mystery and in return raised its value. According to some, in the late 19th and early 20th century, the original form of the Hope Diamond was stolen from an eye of the statue of the goddess Sita. Ooh. Sita. Sita. Sita? Yeah. I don't know. Sita, Sita. There is evidence of several newspaper accounts which helped spread the cursed story. The Hope Diamond was also blamed for the unhappy fates of other historical figures vaguely linked to its ownership. Even jewelers who may have handled the Hope Diamond were not spared from its reputed malice. What? Is this Jacques? Jacques, Jacques Collet. Jacques Collet. How about you do the names for me? Okay, ready? Okay. I will be taking over the names. Okay, so you just say the names and stop. Go. Jacques Collet bought the Hope Diamond from Simon Frankel and died by suicide. <sighs> Prince. Prince. <laughs> that one's an easy one. Prince Ivan bought it from Collet, but was killed by Russian revolutionists. The prince then loaned it to a female who was murdered by her sweetheart. One man who sold it to the Turkish sultan was thrown from a cliff along with his wife and young child. Oh my God. The sultan had it polished, but later the man that had polished it was imprisoned and tortured. A stone guardian was hanged by a mob in Turkey. Oh my God. A Turkish attendant was hanged for having it in his possession. One person that brought the stone from India to Paris was torn to pieces by wild dogs. Oh my God. King Louis gave it to Madame de Montesabon. Mm. whom he later ended up abandoning so she got the wrong deal there yeah another person borrowed it temporarily to wear it but was disgraced (gasps) and died in prison you gotta remember disgraced another temporary wearer princess de lambal was torn to pieces by a french mob these are all in quotes too and yeah. like i've gotten from a few websites and they were like all in quote i mean four centuries four so that's centuries. a that's, that's that's a lot of years that is 400 years kids <laughs> jeweler william falls who cut the stone died a ruined man so dramatic then falls's son hendrick stole the jewel from his father and later died by suicide Ooh. Some years after the death of his son, it was sold to Francis Delu, who died in misery and want. <laughs> Most and now, dramatic. Yeah. Misery and he want. He died a ruined man. I know, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Where mean? is it now? Like Sage says, it's in Washington at the Smithsonian Museum. Who's to say I didn't stick it inside where my Healy wheel was supposed to go? And popped the wheel back in, except I didn't have my wheels because my friend's dog chewed him the night before. Oh, wait a second. And this is another fun fact to go with this. I'm not done yet. Out. 
But since 1958, the United States has been involved in five wars and the country's national debt has quadrupled. So the U.S. government owns it now and our government shit. But I feel like that's always been a thing anyways. Yeah. Let's face it. Politics fucking sucks. So let's... I feel like the Hope Diamond may have caused coronavirus. Yeah, yeah everything. Uh, let's face it, it didn't come from America. It's just maybe the whole reason the world is cursed is because of the freaking Hope Diamond. Yep. But my quick questionable question, how much do you think the diamond is worth? $23.4 million. That's what popped up in my head just now when I... Say it one more time. $23.4 million. $23.4 million. What? That, no, it's not that much. Oh. It's $350 million. What? $350 million. Okay. <laughs> Estimated value, 200 to $350 million. Oh, my God. When you repeated $24.3 million, I know. You I were thought, like, oh, my God, I got it right. I no, bitch. I can't believe it. <laughs> it was just reaffirming. All right. Next fucking possession. Oh, my! one of my favorite ones. I, I remember researching this one time and being, like, obsessed with it. The Dimwick Box. <laughs> the Dimwick the Dibbuck Box. Inspiration for the film Possession, the Dibbuck Box is a wine box which is said to be haunted by a Dibbuck. A Dibbuck is a restless, usually malicious spirit believed to be able to haunt and even possess the living. The box gained notoriety when it was auctioned on eBay with a horror story written by Kevin Manis. According to Manis' story, he bought the box at an estate sale in 2001. It had belonged to a survivor of the Holocaust in Poland who had escaped to Spain and purchased it there before her immigration to the United States. The survivor's granddaughter told Manis that the box had been bought in Spain after the Holocaust. Upon hearing that the box was a family heirloom, Manis offered to give the box back to the family, but the granddaughter insisted that he take it, saying that the family did not want that box. She told him the box had been kept in her grandmother's sewing room and was never opened because a dibbuck was said to live inside of it. Upon opening the box, Manis wrote that he found that it contained two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair bound, a lock of black and brown hair, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom, a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Spooky. Numerous owners of the box have reported that strange phenomena accompany it. Manis wrote that he experienced a series of horrific nightmares shared with other people while they were in possession of the box or when they stayed at his home while he had it. His mother suffered a stroke on the same day he gave her the box as a birthday present, October 31st. Why would you ever give that as a birthday present? Yeah, what? Every owner of the box has reported that smells of cat urine. Yeah, because it's fucking old and cats probably piss on it. (gasps) This is my favorite part, though. Or jasmine flowers, which totally smell like cat urine. And nightmares involving an old hag accompany the box. Oh. A student at Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri, and the last person to auction the box on eBay, claimed the box caused lights to burn out in his house and his hair to fall out. Jason Haxton, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, had been following the student's blogs regarding the box and when he was ready to be rid of the box. He sold it to Haxton. Haxton wrote the Dybbuk Box book and claimed that he subsequently developed strange health problems, including hives, coughing up blood, and head-to-toe welts. Damn. Haxton consulted with rabbis to try and figure out a way to seal the Dybbuk in the box again. Apparently successful, he took the freshly resealed box and hid it at a secret location, which he would not reveal. 
He later donated the box to Zach Bagan Baggins Baggins Zach Baggins. What is it? I don't know. Zach Bagans, I love him. I know who he is, but of Ghost Adventures to display in his museum. You guys know who I'm trying to say. I just don't remember how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Bagans, but whatever. Who cares? That's the Dybbuk box. So he hid it and then gave it to someone. I'm convinced that the Dybbuk was just cursing me because I had the hardest time yeah. reading that story also, just now. This next one is a jinxed phone number. I'm so excited to hear And this. I got a lot of this from Daily Mail, uh, like UK. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Spooked phone bosses have suspended the phone number 08888888888. Did I do that right? I don't know. Bunch of eights. It's basically a zero and then all the rest are eights. After every single person assigned to it died in the last 10 years. That's def- That's not a, like an American phone number. That's it's like- not. No, it's definitely not because you'll, you'll see here. The first owner, Vladimir, the former CEO of Bulgarian mobile phone company, Mobitel, which issued the number, died of cancer in 2001 at age 48. Despite a spotless business record, there are persistent rumors that his cancer had been caused by a business rival using radioactive poisoning. Ooh, chemical warfare. The jinx number was then passed to Bulgarian mafia boss Konstantin Konstantin Dimitrov. He was gunned down in 2003 by a lone assassin in the Netherlands during a trip to inspect his $500 million drug smuggling empire. Boom. Dimitrov, who died at age 31, had the phone with him when he was shot while eating out with a beautiful model. Oh. The phone number then passed to crooked businessman. Another Constantine. Oh, yeah. It is. I thought I was reading the same thing for a second. This one is Dishliv. Dishliv. He was gunned down outside an Italian restaurant in Bulgaria's capital, Sofia, in 2005 after taking over the jinxed line. There's actually pictures of this one. A state agent, Dishlev, had secretly been running a massive cocaine trafficking operation before his assassination. He died after $130 million of the drug money was intercepted by police on its way into the country from Colombia. Since then, the number is understood to have been dormant while police maintain an open file on Dishlev's killing in his smuggling ring. Callers now get a recorded message saying the phone is outside network range. Boo, boo, boo. This number, 0888888888, is not in service. No, it's not. God, guys, sorry about these. You know, we, we're trying to get all over the world here, so our, our, our around really stumbling on things. And I, you know what? If you could read what we're reading, you'd, you'd think the same thing. I know. It's a fucking shit show. This next haunted place, uh, the information for this was found on Travel Channel and also VeliscaIowa.com. This is the Velisca Axe Murder House. The Velisca Axe Murders happened between the evening of June 9th and the early morning of June 10th, 1912 in the town of Velisca, Iowa. Um, Iowa people, simple reminder, uh, small reminder uh, for you today, listen to our fucking podcast, okay? Because <laughs> we haven't been able to scratch you out on the map yet. So anyways. It's kind of why I thought this was a good one perfect for it. The Moore family consisted of parents Josiah B. 43, Sarah, 39, and their four children, Herman Montgomery, age 11, Mary Catherine, age 10, Arthur Boyd, age 7, and Paul Vernon, age 5. An affluent family, the Moores were well-known and well-liked in their community. On June 9, 1912, Mary Catherine Morgue invited the Stillinger sisters over, Ina May, age 8, and Lena Gertrude, age 12, to have a slumber party. 
That evening, the visiting girls in the Moore family attended church. Oh, how lovely. What a fun little slumber party um, treat. Oh, just wait. The program ended at 9.30 p.m. The Moores and the Stillinger sisters walked to the house, arriving between 9.45 and 10 p.m. At 7 a.m. the next day, June 10th, Mary Peckham, the Moores' neighbor, became concerned that she noticed the family had not come out to do their morning chores. With the girl sleeping over, the, the morning chores with, with your friend sleeping over. Oh, God. Peckham knocked on the Moore's door. When nobody answered, she tried to open the door and discovered that it was locked. Peckham let the Moore's chickens out and called Ross Moore, Josiah's brother. Like Peckham, Moore received no response when he knocked on the door and shouted. Ross unlocked the door with his copy of the house key. While Peckham stood on the porch, Ross went into the parlor the parlor, and opened the guest bedroom door, where he found Ina and Lena Stillinger's bodies on the bed. Moore immediately told Peckham to call Henry Hank Horton, <laughs> Velisca primary peace officer, who arrived shortly thereafter. Horton's search of the house revealed that the entire Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon, an axe belonging to Josiah, was found in the guest room where the Stillinger girls were found. Doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m. Two spent cigarettes in the attic suggested that the killer, or killers, patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Stillinger guests were asleep. The killer, or killers, began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah were sleeping. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face had been cut to such an extent that his eyes were missing. Yeah, fucked. They used the blade of the axe on Josiah while using the blunt end on the rest of the victims. That's fucked. Mm -hmm. They proceeded into the children's rooms and bludgeoned Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul in the head in the same manner as their parents. They returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on the elder Moors, knocking over a shoe that had filled with blood before moving downstairs to the guest bedroom and killing Ina and Lena. Investigators believe that all of the victims, except for Lena Stillinger, had been asleep when murdered, that she was awake and tried to fight back as she was found lying crosswise on the bed and with a defensive wound on her arm. Lena's nightgown was pushed up to her waist and she was wearing no undergarments, leading to law enforcement speculation that the killer sexually molested her or attempted to do so. A lengthy investigation yielded several suspects, one of whom was tried twice. The first trial ended in a hung jury and the second in an acquittal. The crime remains unsolved. Supposedly, it is the most haunted house in America. Visits by paranormal investigators have provided audio, video, and photographic proof of paranormal activity. Tours have been cut short by children's voices, falling lamps, moving ladders, and flying objects. Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home, and many have believed to have communicated with them, and skeptics have left believers. My Favorite Murder and the last podcast on the left have done stories about it. So go check them out if you want more information. All right. The next one, the LaLaurie Mansion. Now, many of you will know what this one is because of American Horror Story mm -hmm. Coven. And this is uh, Kathy Bates' character I plays Delphine LaLaurie. Delphine LaLaurie. Um, a lot of the information I got from GhostCityTours.com, New Orleans. So Madame... LaLaurie was a New Orleans socialite and serial killer who tortured and murdered slaves in her household. Ugh. On the morning of April 10th, 1834, a fire broke out at the house owned by 
LaLaurie. The fire destroyed part of the house and found inside were seven slaves who were starved, tortured, and chained in the upper part of the building. Nearly 2,000 townspeople came to view the victims. The people began gathering at the LaLaurie mansion in the expectation that the sheriff would arrest Madame LaLaurie. Evil bitch. Yeah. However, the sheriff never arrived. As the day went on, it became apparent that any action would not happen. The crowd slowly transformed into a mob with only one thought. Vengeance. It's kind of like BLM movement. Mm-hmm. I like it. Me too. When Madame LaLaurie managed to escape, the enraged crowd attacked the now empty residence. They stripped the interior of its valuables and continued their assault by trying to dismantle the whole house by damaging the walls and the roof. By the next morning, they had nearly demolished the entire house. Details of the fire and the aftermath, as reported by eyewitnesses, emerged in local newspapers during the following week. So the house was like already pretty much ruined anyways. Right. But like these people were pissed, which obviously I don't blame them. The account was soon picked up by national publications. Madame LaLaurie was defined as a monster and a demon in the shape of a woman. And fury itself escaped from hell. The fire was ignited in the kitchen of the Grand Mansion. Allegedly, the fire was started on purpose by a slave woman chained to a stove as punishment. Oh the fire seemed to be an attempt at trying to call attention to the deplorable conditions that she and her fellow slaves endured. Wow. Uh, you know what? Chained to a stove, you got a lot of, there's a lot you can do with that. Yeah. That fire. So good. Cook yourself That was some smart. That was smart. Meals. No, we're talking about burning down the place. Oh, burning down the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Sage, we're not talking about food right now. <laughs> Funeral registers between 1830 and 1834, that's four years, document the deaths of 12 slaves at the Royal Street Mansion. Although the cause of death are not mentioned and infectious diseases could have easily have been the cause, these 12 deaths include a cook and a laundress and her four children. Oh my God. For almost 200 years, there have been reports of paranormal activity coming from this house by the slaves that Madame LaLaurie tortured. There is a room in LaLaurie Mansion where the slaves were often kept, and reports of moaning coming from that room are common. Phantom footsteps echo through the house with regularity. Many people who have stood near the house have reported feeling as if they were taken over by a negative energy. Uh, okay, so eventually the mansion was converted into uh, apartments, and a tenant that lived there in 1894 was brutally murdered in his room. They found all his belongings ransacked as if someone had, like, just gone through them. The police assumed that he was a victim of a robbery, even though nothing of value was found missing. One of his friends claimed that he was having problems with sprites in his house. <gasps> sprites. His friend wrote it off as his imagination running wild with him, but he did say something interesting. Oh my God, they're like fairies. Yeah, a sprite. <gasps> so I didn't know what a sprite was. Oh my God, I, so was I a, had to look it up. I was a big fairy girl when I was a kid. Okay, mm. I bet you were. Nah, a, yeah, big fairy house girl. <laughs> a sprite is a supernatural entity in european mythology they are often depicted as fairy-like creatures he claimed that his friend had told him that there was a demon in that house who wasn't going to rest until he had met his end wow since the fire it has been an all-girls school where students often experience bizarre and random physical assaults oh. a homeless shelter a private residence at the beginning of the 1900s it apparently housed a pub on its first floor the owner called it the haunted saloon. Doors slam, furniture moves, apparitions of slaves are seen walking around the property. Some are even in chains. More recently, the LaLaurie's haunted mansion belonged to Nicholas Cage, <gasps> who had hoped to write a horror novel within its walls. He sold it when he had fallen on hard luck. It seemed the house brought him nothing but bad fortune and writer's block. Ooh. 
perfect. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go now. Okay, so my next story is a heavy hitter. Lizzie Borden House. Yeah, yeah. This allegedly haunted bed and breakfast is the site of a gruesome and highly publicized murder that occurred in 1892. It's located in Fall River, Massachusetts. Although she was acquitted, Lizzie Borden was suspected of killing her father and stepmother with a hatchet in the unassuming home. Since then, guests have reported all manner of strange sightings in the house. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her father 40 wax. (laughs) When she saw what she had done, she gave her father's wife, Abby Borden, I think her name is Abby, Abby Borden, 41 wax. <laughs> keep oh, that in. Dear Lord. Oh, I knew I knew you were going to say keep that in. <laughs> I knew where you were going with this. There are several entities and hauntings that have been reported in the house. So here is a little list of what is in the house. The entity of Mr. Andrew Borden. Still seething that his life was so brutally taken from him. Finding some comfort that the living are bringing things to light. Enjoys watching the activity in the home and has started to answer EVP questions. He goes about his business just like what he used to do when he was alive. The entity of Mrs. Abby Borden, so this is uh, the father's wife, in the guest bedroom now called the John Morse room, an indentation of a body on the room's bed was discovered by a staff member, like someone had just laid on top of it. Cries are heard in here as well. An older woman with gray hair has been seen happily puttering around the home, busy with her affairs. If she couldn't enjoy her life while she was alive, now she can in the afterlife. The next one, the famous Lizzie Borden. The entity of Lizzie Borden. An apparition of a woman that looks like Lizzie has been seen down in the basement, looking around, perhaps being sure that she disposed of all of the evidence. And searching for her fucking axe to murder whoever's in the house. Yeah, spooky. And next, the entity of Bridget Maggie Sullivan. An EVP recording captured a horrified scream. Ma'am, come quick! Did she find the body of Abby, Andrew, or both? And coming to tell somebody? Cold spots are reported in Maggie's room. An apparition of a woman dressed in maid's clothes is seen doing her chores around the house. The entity of Maggie's cat, a disembodied cat's meow, is heard. This cat is still friendly and rubs against people it likes in the second and third floor bedrooms. That's kind of cute. It's so cute. I hope little Oakley does that to me. And then um, here's just a list of general paranormal occurrences. The lights had a mind of their own, turning on and off. The owners would be in a room, and in front of them, the wall switch would flick and turn on the lights. Mm -mm. When no one was upstairs on the second and third floors, people would hear the doors open and closed, followed by footsteps. Shadow people have also been seen, especially on the staircase going down to the main hallway and walking into the other parts of the house. Owners of the home have seen shadow people move around different parts of the house. Sometimes staff and guests can feel someone brush up against them on the stairs and in various parts of the, the home. The stairs seem to be like a really mm-hmm. hot spot. A shadow of a woman and an actual apparition that looks like Lizzie has been seen down in the basement by all the owners, the staff, and some guests as well. Disembodied voices have been heard. Owner Leanne Wilbur felt the cold touch of a finger run down her back. When she quickly turned around, no one was visible. Boom. And that is the Lizzie Borden house, which I really want to go see. Yeah, we should do that. When COVID is over, hopefully next year, 
knock on wood, I definitely want to go do that because mm-hmm. it's not that far from where we live. No. All right. So now these are just some creepy places on earth. So the first one is the Winchester Mystery House. Now there's a lot more to this detail, but I was like, this is just all you need. Okay. Yeah. After the death of her husband, creator of Winchester Rifles, Sarah Winchester designed a labyrinth of a house to keep safe from vengeful spirits she thought were killed by like all of her husband's guns. Yeah, we have a Winchester. Yeah, so she thought all the everybody that ever owned a Winchester gun, basically, and someone was killed by it, were coming to haunt her. That's a valid fear. In this house, the home has four stories, 160 rooms, 10,000 panes of glass, and 47 stairways, some of which go nowhere at all. And I watched a, a few documentaries and different things on it and literally you just open doors and it's like cement yeah they said she had people working like 24 7 on the yeah, house she, she just kept continuing adding, it, right? adding and like it's just crazy like sometimes things go literally nowhere it kind of like staircases that nothing end up nowhere right the next spooky place on our list is the catacombs of paris we're basically taking a little tour around the world right now the paris catacombs is truly one of the spookiest places in the world with the remains of more than 6 million people located in the underground tunnels. You can still tour some of the tunnels today. The underground tombs, also known as the catacombs, now contain around 8,000 bodies divided into separate corridors, including one for religious figures, one for professional men, one for children, and even one for virgins. Virgins. The corpses are displayed like a museum exhibit, dressed to the nines and arranged in grotesquely lifelike posts. Spooky. Spooky. And I, I looked at pictures of it. Oh, my God. So, so spooky. Yeah. But I, I think you can go see it, so I want to go see it, maybe. There's still parts of it you can tour. So, the Island of the Dolls in Mexico. It's very spooky, like severed heads of dolls hanging from trees. We'll obviously put a picture up because it looks creepy yes. as hell. So Don Julian Santa Barrera, this guy, was the caretaker of the island. And he found this girl that mysteriously drowned. And while he was not able to save her life, started doing these little doll things. Ew. Kind of creepy. No offense. Right after she had died, he had found a floating doll near the canals, which he assumed most likely belonged to the girl. So he picked up the doll, hung it to a tree as a way of showing respect and support for the spirit of the girl. But others questioned if there even was a girl that drowned. Hmm. There are some reports that he might have made it up. What do the dolls hanging from the trees represent? Julian was apparently haunted by the spirit of Julian. Julian was apparently Julian. Apparently, he thought he was haunted by the spirit of the girl and started hanging more dolls in an attempt to please her spirit. So he was trying to be like, uh, yep, yep. He soon realized the dolls themselves were possessed by the spirits of dead girls and continued to collect creepy dolls, hanging them over the entire island. According to those close to him, it was as if he was driven by some unseen force that completely changed him. Apparently, he was very marked by the fact that he was not able to save the little girl's life. After 50 years of collecting dolls and hanging them on the island, he was found dead, drowned (gasps) in the same spot where the girl did. Many people on the island believe that his spirit has now joined the dolls. Mm -hmm. But after his death, uh, it became a big tourist attraction where visitors bring more dolls. So, Chintzy. They're probably selling fried dough there, too. Hamburgers, hot dogs. Cotton candy. It's creepy. All right, next, go. There's a Dick's Last Resort there. 
Okay, this one. I looked this one up. It was so creepy. I knew I knew you were going to love this one. Okay, it's weird because I feel like I've seen it before in my dreams. Is that creepy to say? Like, I looked at the pictures and I was like... No, I feel like it is like... I feel like I've seen these these pictures in my dreams. In my Like, it just felt familiar to me. So this is uh, Nagoro, Japan. Nagoro is a tiny Japanese village with one very notable feature, a life-sized doll population that outnumbers the human population nearly 10 to 1. <laughs> so fucked. It's literally so creepy, the pictures. The life-size dolls are the work of a local Japanese artist who began making doll replicas of her neighbors after they died or moved away. Yeah. The eerie doppelgangers can be seen in various positions across the town. Fishermen sitting on the riverbank, students filling entire classrooms, elderly couples resting on benches outside of buildings. There are now around 350 dolls and 27 breathing humans in the town. The youngest is over the age of 50, making it a quirky and somewhat terrifying toy land. So spooky. Centralia, Pennsylvania, a ghost town. From the late 1800s to the 1960s, Centralia was a quaint but bustling town in Pennsylvania, thanks to its prosperous coal mines. However, when a mine mysteriously caught fire in 1962, the flames began to spread underground via the interconnecting tunnels. Although the citizens were aware of the situation, they weren't troubled until two isolated incidents some years later. A gas station owner reporting high gasoline temperatures in his underground tanks in 1979 and a young boy nearly falling into a 150-foot deep sinkhole in his backyard in 1981. Since those disturbing occurrences, the town's population decreased sharply. So as of 2020, how many residents do you think live in this town? Five. Eleven. <gasps> Eleven people. Eleven. My, that's my angel number. Spirit number. <laughs> it is your spirit number. It is my spirit number. When you pull up here with these 11 people living here, what you'll find is many torn down buildings, crumbled sidewalks, cracked roads, graffiti filled highways, or like the Route 61. I don't, I'm like not the, from there, but yeah. like the main, I'm assuming the main the road. The road is graffitied, right? But yeah, the whole entire road is graffitied. And just in case you forgot why it's deserted, you can still see smoke billowing out from like for the, from the fires and stuff. Like the ground is literally just burning. And scientists estimate it will continue to burn for at least another 250 years. Like it's just not stopped burning. This was the inspiration of Silent Hill. Oh, it was? Yes. I want to I want to just I, I want to give a shout out to you Kaylee for giving me uh Chernobyl. Because, fun fact about me, my obsession as a kid from the age of probably like fourth grade, fifth grade, as soon as I could learn how to use the Googler, I was obsessed with Chernobyl. I know exactly where my dad told me about it. Fat bellies in Portsmouth, we were having Chernobyl wings. They were the hottest wings on the menu. And I was like, Dad, <laughs> Dad, what's Chernobyl? If there was ever a poster child for eerily abandoned places around the world, then it would have to be Pripyat, where Chernobyl is located. Established in 1970, the city had reached a population of nearly 50,000 by the time it was entirely evacuated after the Chernobyl disaster in 1986. 
Pripyat has remained a ghost city since the evacuation, although the buildings, furniture, and all other signs of life are exactly where its former citizens left them. Weathered books can be found in classrooms, decaying dolls lie abandoned in cribs, and photographs are still in their original frames. The most famous landmark is the Pripyat Amusement Park's Ferris Wheel. I know, I love this one. A skeletal reminder of what used to be. And now, following the airing of HBO's Chernobyl series, Ukraine's government has announced that the site will become an official tourist attraction. I don't think I want to go there. No, no. But if you know anything about Chernobyl, there's it's it's basically like a sanctuary for animals because there's nobody there. Yeah. But there's also some spooky mutations. That's true. That's why I was obsessed with it as a kid. All right, next, the hanging coffins in the Philippines. If you want to visit the dead in the Philippines, you'll have to look up rather than six feet down. The people of this region are known for burying their dead in coffins attached to the sides of cliffs. The tradition goes back thousands of years, and basically I think what they do is like you make your own coffin before you die. Wow. With all the other people. Just, like on the side of the cliff? Yeah. You should see the pictures. They're crazy. <laughs> Many of the cliffside coffins are hundreds of years old and all look completely different as they were specially made by the person who now rests inside them. And they're all with their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Oh, my and God. And they just make their own. That's how I want to go. The next one is the Door to Hell in Turkmenistan. Located in the middle of the Karakum Desert in Turkmenistan is the Door to Hell, a name locals gave to a 230-foot-wide crater that simply won't stop burning. Oh, I know about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Soviet scientists began searching for oil back in 1971, they accidentally hit a methane reserve and the drilling platform collapsed, forming the crater and releasing dangerous gas into the air. The scientists decided to light the crater on fire to burn off the methane, creating an anomaly that has remained lit for the past 40 plus years. And people go and see it. That's crazy. It's so cool. The pictures are amazing. And I'm also pretty sure that David Faria went there on Dark Taurus. Okay, so we're going to have to look that up. Yes. All right, the final, final one. We've come to an end. (laughs) Snake Island in Brazil. Located about 90 miles off the coast of Sao Paulo is Snake Island, one of the most dangerous islands in the entire world. The island earned its name due to its vast amount of golden lancehead vipers. Some studies report an average of one to five snakes per square meter. When sea levels rose 11,000 years ago and separated Snake Island from Brazil, the newly isolated snakes became hyper-evolved to adapt to their changing environment. Without any ground-level prey on the island, the snakes learned to hunt in the treetops and strike at birds from the air. (laughs) And because they couldn't track down the birds and wait for the venom to kick in, their venom adapted to become five times stronger than that of their mainland counterparts capable of killing their prey instantly, as well as melting human flesh. Because of their potency, the Brazilian government bans the public from ever setting foot on this island. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I love snakes. I I love snakes. I don't like them, and I know. I would go. No, hate them. Uh, You can't go. You would die. Okay, okay. You would literally die. That's not about liking snakes. It's literally you would die. All right, on to questionable questions. Okay, all right. I'm not going, I guess. I'll go go first. What secret conspiracy theory would you like to start or be involved in, maybe? Okay, okay. Well, Kaylee, today 
we were driving and I had one pop in my head and I was kind of like, hmm, when I saw the kids like riding their bikes home from school, like a lot of kids are riding their bikes home from school. Like a lot. It's a a good thing to see. I mean, they can't really take the bus anymore. Yeah, COVID, you know, whatever. So I'm sitting here going, oh my God, what if there's an influx in kidnappings? There could be. What if there are like sleeper cell kidnappers and like serial killers, like now they're like oh my god there's kids everywhere like i'm just i'm just nervous about the future it is a lot of kids and that's my conspiracy theory that we're going to see an influx and i hate to even say that and manifest that but i just it's there's a lot of fucking kids and i'm just sitting there going oh my god what if there is a creepy guy like looking out the window going oh my god there's so many kids i've been waiting all all my life for a pandemic to shut down the bus system (laughs) fuck yeah what's yours i don't really have any like i i am fascinated by conspiracy theories yeah but there's not one i've ever really gravitated towards and for me to make up one god what could my conspiracy theory be let's just skip over it you give me your question okay (laughs) it's okay if you don't have a conspiracy theory not everybody does my questionable question for you is out of all the places we went over today where would you most want to go what are your Ooh. top? What are your top threes? Okay. I already know mine. What? 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 Stink bug. Well, now I don't know where it is. It'll it'll fly. It'll fly. I don't know where it went. I'm scared. It's okay. Like you don't understand. It's but they've been like near my hair lately. Ew, I don't like that. Okay. Okay. Get your top three. Just do it fast. You don't have to think about it. Just do it. Oh, out of all these places, where would I want to go? The mo- Definitely not to see Robert the doll. No fucking way. No way. No way. No way. Um, I'm not going to go to any fucking haunted mansion. No, thank you. I would probably go to the Island of the Dolls. Ew, really? Yeah. Or, I- or, the, or the ghost town. Oh, Centralia? Mm-hmm. I would. Oh, or the Hanging Coffins. Okay, that's a good one. I think that would okay, be a cool one. Okay, that's three. My top, my top number one. I got to go with my day one obsession, Chernobyl, for sure. My second pick would be uh, definitely The Hurry Door the to Hell. Barking. The Door to Hell. Yes, See that the is fire. a good one. Super cool. And the third one would absolutely be the the Lizzie Borden house, and I can go do it tomorrow if I wanted to drive by I would by go it. to that one, but the other ones are like, you really have to go on. Definitely the LaLaurie Mansion, though. Yeah, Nick Cage. It's very cute. All right, guys, as always, send your stories to so what who cares pod at gmail.com. <gasps> it's on my leg. <laughs> There's napkins over there. Stop no. flinging it. I was it. All right, guys, I'm going to do the sign off by myself. So what? Who cares? We don't. This is one for you, Sage. These ones are for you. New York. My- actual fuck just happened did that just record i have no idea if that just recorded yeah 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 okay did you guys hear the glitch yeah 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 it was just through our headphones like blaring through our headphones guys but it like barely comes up on the audio mike literally picked up on that coming through our headphones oh my god that was how loud it was that the mic picked up on our headphones that would literally that's never happened when we've recorded. Nothing oh. has ever happened like that. That was okay. It was repeating me saying New York. And I was going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kill all stink and seed buds, bugs 2020. <laughs> so what? Who cares?